Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Well, happy Monday. Sure wish it was a lot happier. To keep with the mood of the day on Wall Street and beyond, there are no good martinis today. Bad, bad, and crazy. We do have good news, though, on our sponsor. It's Figs. And three Martini Lunch listeners can now get 15% off for a limited time from Figs. Just go to wherefigs.com and enter the code MARTINI15, MARTINI15, at checkout. Jim, who wanted to retire anyway? I mean, really, it wasn't uh, wasn't that important. It was just, you know, putting money away for the golden years. But, uh, no, uh, obviously, uh, we're going through a downturn right now. The markets had a very rough start this morning. Uh, so bad, in fact, that the S&P 500 was down 7% five minutes after the opening bell, which... Uh, automatically triggered a halt in trading. Uh, it came back up. Things are still way down, roughly 4 to 5% as we're recording here around noon Eastern time. And by the time you hear this, who knows exactly uh, how it's going to look. But uh, Jim, I never thought I'd be looking at a Wall Street board of the Dow and say, oh, it's only down 1,200 now. That's, 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 that's better because it was down 2,000 earlier. And uh, Jim, there's obviously the, the, the three different factors that are working here. There's uh, concern about economic global disruption here with the coronavirus and things not being able to get sent from one part of the world to another, different areas being quarantined. Then you've got a bond market where the 10-year Treasury is yielding less than 1% for the first time ever. That's got a lot of folks freaked out on Wall Street. And oh, by the way, the Saudis decided to play around with their uh, oil supply and pricing so that oil's now, at least at the moment, below $35 a barrel. So that's got a lot of folks worried as well, although for consumers, uh, for the time being, that should be good news. And as we talked about last week, we've kind of got this recycle triangle. Markets freak out, media freaks out, public freaks out, markets freak out just over and over and over again. And here's a couple of examples of that. This is from the New York Post. They quote a guy named Chris Rupke, who's chief financial economist at a place called MUFG Union Bank. And his very measured tone here says... The sky is falling. Get out. Get out while you can, he wrote Sunday. Wall Street's woes have to eventually hit Main Street's economy hard. Bet on it. So he's uh, taking things uh, all in stride here. And then last week, even before all these other factors hit, this is MSNBC. Nicole Wallace with a Princeton professor named Gloud. G-L-A-U-D-E. Eddie Gloud. Here's how they're uh, looking at Trump and coronavirus. Uh, But I was thinking about this in terms of politics, right? Uh, We talked about uh, the business community finally not kind of sticking with Donald Trump. But this may be, and, you know, Nicole, I should mention this with little trepidation, but this may be Donald Trump's Katrina. Yeah, you can have to trepidation because (laughs) my role in that. I mean, let's just lean into that for a minute. I mean, Katrina was the moment when all of the things that felt incredibly incompetent about the Bush presidency, the appointment of Harriet Myers to the Supreme Court, the botched attempt to pass Social Security privatization. I mean, I, I lived it. I can go through the whole list were realized. We gave them a proof point that we were indeed incompetent. And also people died. I mean, this is this has the making structurally for the same kind of moment. For and President if there's Trump. any a moment that would shake that 40 percent, the folks who would allow him to shoot someone and ride down, for the, mm-hmm. if there's any a moment, it's this one, because it's babies, it's friends, it's loved it's ones. It's old people it's in nursing homes home, that can't have their daughters and sons. It's and your nana. Yeah. Right. And so it seems to me that this is an event that could take down a president. 
All right, Jim, as we've said before, coronavirus is serious. Precautions need to be taken, particularly those with vulnerable conditions. But the full freakout is on here, and it's having a very negative effect, I think, far beyond what it needs to be doing right now. You know, I'm trying to think where to begin, Greg. The first thing that comes to mind is as Nicole Wallace talks about how incompetent the Bush administration was. <laughs> right. So she was on the White House staff during Bush's first term, special assistant to the president, director of media affairs of the White House, joined the presidential campaign in 2004 as communications director. And then, of course, he was the White House communications director from 2005 to July 2006. So when she says all that terrible incompetence in the Bush White House... <laughs> We learned it from watching you, right? Like this was the, this is your former co-workers, but I guess we really shouldn't be that surprised by Nicole Wallace stabbing people she worked with in the back. I suppose when you're saying, goodness gracious, this could involve mass death. This could really help the Democrats in November. Um, try not to smile so much when you say that on MSNBC, MSNBC guests. Try to recognize that this is really bad and that no one should be all that gleeful about it. Um, as for the, the circumstances in the markets, look, it's a bad day. Don't check for 01K. <laughs> you know, it's now here's the thing. If you're in the markets for the long run, you're probably going to be fine. I'm going to you know emphasize you know in, in red ink probably. You could argue that we've had such a good long run, particularly in the markets for so long, that we were due for a correction. And it just feels like the markets, the stock markets in particular, could handle the risk of the coronavirus. We saw last week the you know down a thousand points and back up 900 points the next day. They can handle a certain amount of risk. And then Russia and OPEC getting into this price war um, and drastically reducing their prices, the talk that you might see oil go down to less than $20 a barrel, that sounds like one thing that the uh, the markets were just not ready to cope for. And that's what made the dam burst. It's a really bad day in the markets today. My guess is, if not tomorrow, that at some point you'd see some people saying, hmm, I think we had bottom. I think it's a good time to start buying again. This is about this is not me recommending buy the dip because you may recall about a week or two ago people saying buy the dip, buy the dip, and then it went down a couple more thousand points. Um, so you know this is not a financial podcast. Make the decisions that are right for you, but recognize that over the long run the stock market generally goes up. It usually goes up slowly. Uh, sometimes it goes up very fast. Sometimes it goes back down. All in all, you're, if, if you're not looking to retire for another decade or so, you're probably going to be fine. You should not freak out ever, ever, ever after each one of these uh, 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 turns in the market. The other thing which kind of jumps out is that, as I mentioned earlier, the gas prices are going to go down. The, we are heading into some you know, severely choppy economic waters, but a drastic re- you know, a reduction in the gas prices puts more money into Americans' pockets. They're more able to spend money on stuff, probably Purell and uh, delivery food and, and things like that. Um, the other one, as you mentioned, the interest rates going down lower. You know, interest rates for a 30-year mortgage in a lot of places are now between 2, 2% and 3%. So all of these things that are showing you bad economic news, there are circumstances where certain groups of Americans will be doing better off, uh, home buyers and people who need to spend a lot of gas. I, I don't know about you, Greg. I, I have a feeling that this is, you know, this is bad. This is going to be pretty bad. Uh, warmer weather should slow down the spread of the coronavirus. I've heard some people saying only 10%, 20%. Um, if we get our precautions in place, this this will be you know a rough couple of stretch for next couple of weeks, next couple of months. By the end of summer, things may be looking considerably better. And if we've had a giant you know tumble in the markets, you could see a nice big boom when people say, okay, this particular risk has passed. We're doing better. Uh, we're back. You know, all the fundamentals that were in place before the coronavirus are there. And oh, by the way, maybe you'll have pent up demand. Now, in the meantime, you're going to have a rough stretch for cruise lines and hotels and airlines and anybody involved in tourism and travel and stuff like that. 
But by and large, if we can get through this, there's probably a nice big boom on the other end of it. A big question is, does that come before before or after Election Day 2020? Yeah, very good question. And like you said, uh, I'm certainly not a financial expert. We need one of the other Columbus brothers to fully put this into perspective. But uh, in terms of uh, the political language being used, the media lighting their hair on fire, I mean, it's pretty clear uh, that it's not just a matter of covering a story for a lot of these people. They're, they're whipping it up and they're trying to put a political spin on it. And that's about as irresponsible as you can get. Our sponsor today is not only Figs, uh, it's uh, perhaps the most timely Figs advertisement we've ever had on the Three Martini Lunch, because uh, as we know, uh, more people are coming down with the virus and uh, more folks are going to be seeking medical attention. And that means the folks on the front lines here are more critical than ever. Keeping them healthy is more critical than ever, especially as they face higher and higher demand, more and more crowded hospitals and other facilities and so forth. So we want them to be performing at peak capability. And that means, of course, staying healthy. And part of that is being able to avoid uh, catching this virus or the flu or whatever else is going around at a given time. Did you know that a nurse walks about five miles per shift or doctors can work up to 80 hours per week? Medical professionals seem practically superhuman, but they do need things uh, to help them do their job very well. And that's where Figs comes in. Figs is an incredible company that is doing their best to make life comfortable for doctors and nurses and other medical professionals. They design medical apparel that looks good, feels good, and helps medical professionals perform at their best no matter what their day throws at them. And Jim, we know the coming days might throw quite a bit at them. Exactly. Look, chances are your doctor, your nurse, your, your health care provider, anybody you deal with on a regular basis, they're probably swamped right now. Uh, but if you want to say thank you, if you want to say, hey, thanks for, for putting in all those extra hours, uh, you probably want to think about figs, either gift cards or if you don't know the exact uh, apparel that they're looking for. Fig scrubs are packed with tons of features and functionality. They created their own fabric that is antimicrobial, which sounds really important right about now. Anti-wrinkle, moisture-wicking, full of stretch, and ridiculously soft. And they have pockets, tons of pockets. Some of their styles include more than 10 pockets, which is amazingly useful when you have a stethoscope, pens, a pen light, scissors, tape, alcohol pads, sanitizers, snacks, more snacks. You get the idea. Jim, as a lot of folks know, I had a chance to try out some of the different Figs gear, a pair of socks that was very comfortable. You think uh, one pair of socks is the same as the other? Not so. Went on a long walk in these socks, much more comfortable than uh, when I'm wearing my other socks. Uh, So uh, definitely strong uh, quality there. And then, of course, the active wear jacket. And and Jim, you mentioned the pockets. There's pockets uh, all over the place, but it's still looks really good. It's very comfortable. It uh, keeps you at a good body temperature. I can wear it anywhere from the 40s to the 60s degrees out. And uh, uh, scrubs, of course, are the main thing that, that Fig sells here. And uh, I had no need for the scrubs, but your favorite medical professional certainly does, particularly now. They could always use an extra set. And like Jim said, there's no better way to say thank you. So do you have a doctor in your house or do you just have a favorite doctor or a vet tech or a radiologist or anybody else who helps other people when it comes to health care. Tell them about figs or get them a gift. Listeners of the Three Martini Lunch can now get 15% off for a limited time. Go to wearfigs.com, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com, and enter the code MARTINI15, that's MARTINI15, at checkout. All right, Jim, we'll be back to coronavirus in our crazy martini, but we have one more bad martini to get to first. 
And that's because the effort for the Republicans to hang on to the majority in the United States Senate just got a bit more complicated. That's because out in Montana, where Republican Steve Daines is running for a second term, the two-term governor, a Democrat named Steve Bullock, has decided he's running for the U.S. Senate after all. Here's part of his launch video. Montana's unemployment rate, the lowest in over a decade. The outdoor economy has been booming. Businesses reach record high exports. Montana high school students are graduating at a higher rate than ever before. Governor Steve Bullock signed one of the biggest bills of the 2019 session today. Coverage to more than 90,000 Montanans. The bill is a way to prevent dark money groups from controlling an election. Steve Bullock gives final approval to invest in Montana's infrastructure. And you know what's great? Every one of us own these public lands. So in the span of about 30 seconds there, he talks about uh, allegedly how he's responsible for low unemployment, higher exports, good graduation rates, expanded health care coverage, getting dark money out of politics, improved infrastructure, and protecting public lands. And so, uh, Jim, this is going to be a tough race. I-, I think Bullock probably did hurt himself with his total dud of a presidential campaign that most listeners probably forgot about. But while I think Danes will probably be favored here, it's going to be a tough fight, which means more resources uh, diverted from other races that are going to be tough to win. Yeah. Uh, over the, the From the moment it was, became clear that Bullock was thinking about this pretty seriously, the chances of Republicans keeping the Senate got a little bit worse. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Montana, you know, Trump is going to win this state. Uh, that's really you know, not, in, not in dispute. Um, and yes, you know, Steve Bullock, you know, on the one hand, he probably hurt himself with the presidential campaign, Greg. On the other hand, it was only like, what, 10 minutes or so? <laughs> Just enough time to be on one debate stage and say, oh, that guy, you know. Um, it's for what's worth noting, you know, Steve Bullock's message on the, that debate stage was, hey, Democrats, don't forget all of us who live in red states. Um, you know, not the worst message for Democrats to hear, one that they largely ignored. But, you know, right on brand for the governor of Montana. Um, he's going to be a tough candidate. I, I don't know if you say that uh, Steve Daines is toast, but I think you say anytime you've got a guy who's been elected statewide more than once, is a current governor, he's probably got a pretty decent approval rating. You know, this is going to be a tough race. And as you mentioned, this is going to be one that's going to drain resources. The good news is this is not a state where you have really terribly expensive TV markets and stuff like that. Um it's going to be a close race either way. Um, but again, if you're the Republicans, considering the you know the status of uh, Collins up in Maine and Gardner out in Colorado and Tillis in North Carolina, that even when you've got the Doug Jones seat, you're probably going to win. Even when you no longer have Bernie Sanders at the top of the ticket, depressing Democratic turnout uh, in certain places. You know, this is going to be a tough cycle for the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Um, no two ways about it. Be prepared. Start, you know, getting ready. You know, is, is it lost? No, but that's just, you know, one more thing to worry about for uh, for Republicans who want to keep the Senate. Yeah, absolutely right. Did a little bit of research here, Jim. Uh, Trump currently has a 52 percent approval rating in Montana and will be at the top of the ticket. If that remains fairly close, that should help Danes a little bit. Uh, in, in winning the governorship twice, Bullock won by a point and a half in 2012 and by three points in 2016. Danes won by 17 points in 2014, although I don't know a lot about the caliber of his opposition that year. And uh, in in terms of the presidential campaign for Bullock, not only did he go nowhere, uh, he tried to move left on guns at one point and came out in favor of a ban on what he called assault weapons, meaning AR-15s and so forth. And so if he's seen as wobbly on the gun issue in Montana, I think that could do him some damage. It it could. The advantage to having a really awesome year for, for Republicans in the Senate, like 2014, 
is it means six years later they have to go back on a presidential election year, which traditionally turnouts a little bit higher. Sometimes it works a little worse. But again, Trump being at the top of the ticket in Montana presumably would help Danes. Um, but, you know, a, 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 we have a whole bunch of people who kind of elected with the wind at their back, and we don't know if the wind will be at their back or in their faces uh, come November. Well, speaking of being in their faces, let's talk about our other uh, martini related to coronavirus. It's our crazy. And for that, Jim, we have to go back to CPAC. Uh, you and I were in the neighborhood uh, of CPAC. Uh, I don't know if you actually went in the uh, hall or not. Apparently, according to Matt Schlapp, the head of the American Conservative Union, which uh, organizes CPAC, uh, there was one attender and now possibly two that have tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, Schlapp says he's fine. His wife is fine. Uh, Ted Cruz apparently knows who this person is, even though the name's not public. Says he shook hands with him briefly, doesn't have any symptoms 10 days later. But you know what? Just out of an abundance of caution, he's going to quarantine himself for a few more days. Paul Gosar, a congressman from Arizona, apparently spent a little more time with this person. Uh, he says he's also fine so far, but also he and several staff members are going to uh, be taking several days off and uh, lying low just to make sure that they don't spread anything that they're not feeling yet. So, uh, Jim, on the one hand, uh, abundance of caution, probably good in this situation. On the other hand, it's fun to watch Twitter and folks saying, oh, yeah, I might have run into that guy. Um, I think I better take the week off. And so uh, it's uh, just interesting to see what's happening here. What's your thoughts on how CPAC is handling this and, and everything else? Well, first of all, Greg, aren't you glad that I invited you to that National Review gathering that was held down the street from CPAC? <laughs> oh, yeah, really glad. <laughs> I'm sure you're like, ah, oh, good job, Jim. You know, uh, look, here, here, so here's the problem. We, as far as we know, it's one person. Um, it is the person, and we know this person is being treated in New Jersey. If you did not shake hands with someone who went up to New Jersey, and you haven't had any symptoms yet, you're probably feeling fine. Now, the other complication is that uh, almost every year at CPAC, you hear people talking about the CPAC crud. You have a gathering of in the neighborhood of 15,000 to 20,000 people. They all get together. They all shake hands. People exchange germs and viruses, and people come back with their you know coughs and sniffles and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there are a lot of people right now who are sitting there thinking, huh, was that just you know the usual CPAC crud, or is it something worse? Um, I understand the need to preserve the, the privacy of the person who's been diagnosed. On the other hand, we don't know if this person, you know, coughed into their hand and then pressed an elevator button or uh, touched a railing on an escalator or a stairway or, or, you know, used the ATM and you press the buttons. There are a lot of little ways that you can end up spreading a virus without really thinking about it. At this point, is, I mentioned all this not to freak anybody out. Uh, as I was in the hall for a couple hours. I don't think I encountered this person feeling fine. Um, if I keel over in the near future, you can play back this podcast and say, see, Jim wasn't taking it seriously enough. I, I do think, however, considering the nature of these things, it's probably this is probably not the only person who got infected. Uh, I, you know, I completely Ted Cruz and uh, Congressman Gosar are probably doing the right thing in this circumstance. But I think you're going to see a lot more of these things at every major gathering that you see. We just it, it's spreading too quickly. The good news is most people are going to be asymptomatic. It's not going to be noticed. When you have the the Los Angeles Marathon, that big gathering they had up in uh, Seattle, um, just as we were having our conversation, Greg, uh, Ireland announced the St. Louis, St. Patrick's Day parades being canceled. I think we're going to have to avoid big gatherings for for the next uh, couple of weeks. I, I think it's just you know a, a sad state of affairs, but you got to do this because this is a life and death matter for people who are elderly and who may have some sort of problems with their their immune system. I understand CPAC's got to you know got to protect the privacy of particular patients. That having been said, the more information you can give to people about whether they were likely to be exposed, the better. Um, we will see how things shake out from here. But uh, 
You know, Greg, I've been looking forward to not covering CPAC this year. <laughs> so glad National Review had to do an event. And boy, I hope Cam really appreciates me appearing on his show this week. This year. <laughs> well, considering Come on, all Cam. Considering all the duties you had in previous years, you might uh, be counting, That's a good counting your blessings mild. this year. But yeah, I mean, we've seen South by Southwest canceled in Austin. Uh, a women's professional tennis tournament scheduled for uh, this coming week has been canceled so far, thankfully. March Madness not affected, but but uh, we'll see. Here's my question, though, Jim, because obviously there are privacy concerns. You've got HIPAA and all that, and uh, you can't necessarily go blurting out everyone's name. But is it fair for lawmakers to know who this person is and the thousands of other attendees not to know? That's what I was just about to say. That I'm glad that Ted Cruz feels fine. I'm sure this person, though, did not just shake hands with Ted Cruz and, and uh, the congressman. Uh, their first statement was that, you know, yes, someone at CPAC has tested positive. Don't worry, the president and vice president are fine. Well, that's great, but I'm pretty sure the president <laughs> and the vice president are going to have access to the very finest health care, and I'm sure they're probably being checked for any changes in temperature or any signs of ill health, you know, 24-7. Everybody else, the 19,998 other people at CPAC don't have that kind of situation and probably would be uh, better off with a little more information. So I understand CPAC is in a difficult situation right now. We're trying to balance this value of, you don't want this person being ostracized, but if people are sitting there thinking, well, did I shake hands with that person or not? Or did the people that I shook hands with, did they shake hands with him? Um, that's why I have my sneaking suspicion this will not be the only case, uh, just because of the ease with which this virus spreads. Uh, presumably, everybody's going to be okay. We know that the you know number, a large number of people are going to be asymptomatic. But, Greg, I feel like we're in a situation where more information is better, uh, all things considered. Yeah, you might think the person would actually just go public with the fact that uh, they're dealing with this, but uh, it's up to them, obviously. Uh, Jim, I guess, uh, as I saw on Twitter, we're all Howie Mandel now. Uh, he refuses to <laughs> shake hands ever with people because he's kind of a germaphobe. And uh, no, we're gonna bl- we're gonna take the the, the rubber gloves, we're gonna blow them up, and then we're gonna put them over our heads for maximum protection <laughs> and/or strangulation. Keep perspective, everyone, and stay with the three martini lunch. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, all get through this together without uh, too many problems. Uh, But, Jim, uh, we'll start with uh, that tomorrow. See you then. At least it's Friday, Greg. See you tomorrow. Oh, I wish. I wish. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And don't forget about the uh, great offer over at FIGS. Perfect time to do something nice for that uh, doctor, nurse, or other medical professional in your life. Three Martini Lunch listeners get 15% off for a limited time. Wearfigs.com. Code Martini15. Martini15 at checkout. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us kind reviews, and uh, don't forget that those home devices can play the podcast as well. All you have to do is say, play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. And tune in Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.